Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, we explore the intersection of creativity and spirituality and discover what lights up your creative soul. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so excited to have a guest on this week, Jamie Varon. If you don't know who Jamie is, then you are about to. Jamie is a writer and she has garnered a mass following on social media for her writing. She posts these like beautiful bits of soul wisdom, as I like to call them, all over social media, mainly on Instagram, Twitter, threads, all the things. And she posts really personable, relatable, authentic writings that just help you live a life that you love. And I really connect to Jamie's writing. I've been following her on social media and I feel like there are just those days where she posts something and she perfectly captures exactly something that I'm going through in my life. So I really wanted to have Jamie on because she not only has written one book, her best-selling debut work of nonfiction called Radically Content that is now being adapted into being a feature film. She also just came out with her debut novel, her first book of fiction, Main Character Energy, which came out last month. And I was lucky enough to get an advanced reader's copy. And I read the book in one sitting It is one of those books that you can't put down. I enjoyed it so much and it's so cool to see Jamie really in her prime and starting to really do her soul work after years and years of writing and wanting to be a writer, but finally claiming that she is a writer and having all of these beautiful opportunities open up to her. So in this conversation, we really dive into what it's been like with her rise to success and how she's had to make space to really claim her success and let go of the limiting beliefs that was holding her back from living the life that she really desired. And she's really big on living with intention. She has a course on her website called Living with Intention. This conversation was one of my favorites that I've had in a while. And we just talk about creativity, writing, your authentic voice, what it was like, you know, publishing a nonfiction book and then publishing her fiction book. And we talk a lot about transitions in our lives and dark nights of the soul and just everything that we love on this podcast. So before we get into the episode, I wanted to share with you that I have a new guided writing meditation series coming out soon called The Creative Soul Practice. So this is for you if you listen to this podcast and you're looking to start a daily creative practice. Maybe you used to journal a lot, but you've fallen off the habit of journaling, or you just want to get into a habit, a daily practice of paying attention and showing up to your creativity. So with this in mind, I created a seven-day guided writing meditation series where each day We're taken through a meditation and a writing prompt for you to really get into the practice or back into the practice of journaling, of writing, excavating your creative soul to express your creative soul. So that's going to be out in the next couple weeks. If you'd like to get on the wait list to be the first to know when it comes out, just send me a little DM on Instagram at Leah Van Doren and you can just DM me the words, the creative soul practice, and I will put you on the list to be the first to know. But what I really love about this practice that I created every day, each meditation is around 15 minutes long. So it really doesn't take much time for you to really get re-inspired. And I think fall is the perfect time to reinvigorate our habits, reinvigorate our routine, and our creative wellness is part of a really healthy sustainable creative soul life. So yeah, check out the creative soul practice coming soon. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for coming on the creative soul podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, I love the name of this. I mean, (laughs) creative soul. That's my jam right there. Right. I'm like, yes, that is my everything. 
Beautiful. Well, I will start off with the first question that I ask everyone when they come on, and that is, what is currently lighting up your creative soul? Ooh. Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, professionally, like creative soul, I'm being very lit up by writing, which is not surprising, but it's just like letting myself write what I really want to write instead of what I think I should. And actually, a lot of like astrology is really lighting me up right now. And I've always loved astrology, but now I want to know what's happening with the moon all the time. I want to know all the planetary shifts because I feel it so deeply. Like I'm already feeling it. It's just, then it just gives it context. So that's really lighting me up in terms of, I'm just in a very surrender place. Like I just want to surrender. I'm tired of having the control. I don't want it. Take the wheel. And that is making me feel very creative and lit up and excited about life. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I always go through this grasping and then I go, oh, right. I have to let go. I have mm-hmm. to let go because soul wise, my particular soul does not like when it's, when I'm grasping and demanding that certain things happen mm. because I just get way off the path, like my path, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. And also today is an auspicious day because it's new moon in cancer and we're changing the the nodes. We're going from Taurus Scorpio to Aries Libra, which I definitely feel this like closure of the last 18 months has been freaking wild. And I'm excited for a new shifted energy. <laughs> uh, me too. Actually, I've had a pretty intense like 18 months. So this really makes sense that there's been this building. I know I've been on TikTok lately and the algorithm is just like, you're going to hear about this week because astrologically this week is wild. Yeah. And so I've been like really lit up because I'm like, I'm ready. Transform me. Yes. <laughs> Take yeah. me. Will you actually, if you're comfortable talking about the last 18 months, will you go into that a little bit? Because you've shared a little bit on your social media about just you going through a big like transformation. And I feel very similarly. I just got married three weeks ago and thank you. Yeah, it was, it was great except for the period before your wedding, I feel like brings up so much. And I think that's what that period really was for me. And I realized there was a lot of things that were coming up that felt threatening to my identity, like letting go of old stories or really looking into family relationships and how they were formed and how I showed up in those relationships. And now thinking about how I want to show up in the future, how I'm changing. And you've been talking about that too. And I know you're having a book coming out. So it's also like a big birth of something new. And I feel like when we do have these big transitions or moments in life, we do have these moments of evolution and transformation for that. So I'm super curious to hear about what that's been like for you, because it's not the first time I'm sure that you've gone through something like that. And how, how was that? And what did you learn from it? I love it. First of all, also like no one ever talks about how wild it is to get married and all the things that can come up. If you're not just like, I mean, for self-aware people, for the people who aren't self-aware, I don't know what they're doing in their life. They're just moving forward. They're like picking (laughs) flowers and that's it. (laughs) Right. Like they're just like, and I, I went through, yeah. So I have a whole thing with that too, but I won't get into it. But I love that you talked about that because that's such a real thing. And I don't think, I especially don't think we talk about that enough. So the last 12 months or 18 months, I mean, so I think what happened in the last 18 months, I would say I went from feeling very like I'm an underdog. Things are not happening for me. Why are things not happening for me to getting extremely surrendered of like, whatever's meant to be, let it be. And then it all happened, which Mm -hmm. was very surprising. And you know, the thing that you're supposed to say is like, and then I was fixed and perfect and (laughs) life has just never been better, you know? (laughs) And in some ways there's a lot of great things about that. You have different problems now, that's for sure. Um, But there is like such a massive identity shift when you go from being in your head, like 
the things that aren't happening have defined you so much Mm. and then they happen and you're like, wait a second. And you're like waiting to feel, did I make it? Have I made it? Is Mm. this success? Was that my break? Or is there still something coming? You know, and then add on top of that, my first book came out radically content, which was a self-help book and a memoir. And for me, whether I don't, you know, however someone perceives it, but for me, that was writing like something that like 20 years of growth for me Mm -hmm. to get to that point, to be able to write that book. And there was such visceral response to finally putting that book out. I'd been waiting for that moment for so long and there's just no way it's ever going to live up to, you know, what you think it's going to be. And there's so many things that happened with that book that I never would have expected. You know, I got a we're going to make a movie out of it. You know, I got, I didn't expect that, but then there were things that didn't happen that I would have loved to have happened, you know, hit certain bestseller lists, this or that. And it's so identity shifting because now you're not on the outskirts of what you've always wanted to do. Now you're doing it, but there's still doubt. There's still questioning. And I feel like what happened was the book came out And just like I was saying earlier with the surrender, I was like, okay, source divine, all the guides that I've been surrendered to, to get to this point. Now I have to take it from here. I started getting really controlling, you know, and you don't notice it. I, at least for me, I don't notice when I'm being controlling because it kind of just sometimes feels like, no, I'm manifesting. (laughs) It's like, no, you're not. You're, you're true. You're gripping and saying it has to be this certain way. And I think also, you know, for me, I've worked for myself for a really long time before I was writing. I was also a graphic designer. So it felt like things were very much in my control in a sense. And then once you start publishing, at least if you're not self-publishing, like you have publishers, you have people, it's really hard to know, you know, there's like a different level of pressure. There's like, this person has invested into making this a movie. And then this publisher, now I have a book deal with Harper Collins and they've invested money into me. And now I have an agent. And now I have this. And I've always just been such a sort of lone wolf that it threw me because I was like, how do I surrender and do all of this when I have all of these other conflicting things that are happening and in the, it was just very much, I didn't know how to be. Like Mm. I didn't know how to think about it, how to envision the future. I didn't. And then when it started time to really get serious about the novel, you know, I, I love doing the edits for me. The creative process is where I shine. It's always the bringing it into the world part that this is the work, you know, (laughs) because for me, I could just be in my little desk making up stories, writing little things for the rest of my life. But then at some point you have it reviewed and people say things on Goodreads when they're saying things about my first book that I was just like, that's an interesting perspective for you to think (laughs) about this book, you know? And, And it's just different. I've usually had, at least with my Instagram and stuff, people are so kind, you know? But once things start getting out of that, like with radically content, you have the people that are like, this was really overhyped. And I'm like, I didn't even know it was hyped. (laughs) How is it now overhyped? You know, where was the hype point? Right. Where was the hype? No, like, you don't know, you don't know who's talking about it. You don't have that sense. So it just, all of that, I think really, uh, the, the best word that I could use to describe it is it confused me. I'm such an intentional person. I literally made the course on living with intention. It's called (laughs) live with intention, you know? (laughs) And so I have a really hard time moving forward without knowing my intentions. And I don't like to do things that it's just like, I think I'm going to get some prize that I'm never going to get. I know enough to know that success does not fix your life. Going viral is not going to make you believe in yourself, getting the book deal, all the things it's so internal. Mm. So I was just really in this place of like, what do I even want? I'm doubting myself. 
And I don't like to feel that way. And am I good enough? But then I was like, who decides, you know, Mm -hmm. this is such a big thing for me about the good enough thing. It's like, who gets to decide? Who tells you, you know, especially with books. I mean, there are some books that they win the biggest awards, but you'll never hear of them. And then there are some books that they're going to be on every bestseller list, but they're not going to win awards. And what's good? What's bad? And so I just get got caught back in some of those, I guess, old programming mm. and thoughts. This is the thing about healing and self-growth and all of that, that I've had to come to terms with. Unless you stay completely stagnant, you're going to have to go out into the world and you're going to get hurt. You're going to get rejected or you're going to get disappointed or something's going to happen. And then a wound you didn't even know was there. It's going to either pop back up or something different. Or I learned things about myself in the last 12 to 18 months that I didn't know I thought all that. That was just (laughs) lying dormant somewhere, just waiting to be triggered. And I can especially feel like speaking astrologically, I can feel these shifts very much in terms of just being very at peace with whatever is meant for me will be Mm. whatever is meant to go will go and just no grasping or gripping and trusting myself that when I get the call from my soul, I need it. You Mm. know, that's all I need to know. I'll, they want me to create something. I will do it. I'll sit down and I'll do it. But until then, the worry is so unproductive and I have a tendency to be an obsessive worrier because especially when there's some idle time, you know, especially when you publish a book, there's a lot of waiting. Mm. There's a lot of quiet. This is like real quiet. Is it supposed to be this quiet? Should it be not quiet? You know, especially when it's your first novel, you still don't know where you stand. When I'm idle, my obsessive worrying feels productive. I'm figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do I have to give up? What do I have to quit? And it's often nothing. Just <laughs> go on a walk. Yeah. <laughs> chill. Maybe, you know, have you ever heard of chilling? I don't know, but like do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's been the 12 to 18 months. And it hit me, you know, you never think it's going to happen on the year when all the things that you've been waiting to happen But it it makes sense too. There's such an adjustment period. And I don't think we talk enough about how much you need to be in a certain place to be able to receive your success Mm. Um, because it can shift your identity. It can throw off your balance. It can throw off so much, even though you know that's what you wanted. Mm. So now I'm in the place where I'm just like, you know what? Divine beloved I don't know what I want. (laughs) I have this little tiny human brain. You are all knowing and powerful. Just bring to me what needs to be here. You know, I just can't, I can't be trying to figure out the mysteries of the universe, you know? Yeah. And you don't have to. It's so, I feel like you're in this rich place because it's an interesting time to have finished your book. It's done, but it's not yet out in the public. So it's like, you're in that waiting period of people, maybe some people have read it, but you're still waiting for it to, to truly, I don't know. And it's like, is there like a true birth date? Is that just the publication date? And just the way that all of that, like, yeah, that feeling of off balance and that feeling of confusion, because I really relate to the feeling of confusion And I wonder in those periods, is there any way to navigate it? Or is it kind of just being in the season that you're in, being in the place that you're in? And then eventually clarity will come because that's what I experienced with my own kind of dark night of the soul in this lead up to the wedding where it felt so confusing. I felt like I didn't know what I wanted or who I was anymore. And there was nothing I could do to get out of it. It was no matter what I tried to get out of it, I couldn't, I couldn't force my way out of it. And now something has shifted. I didn't actually have to do anything to get out of it. I actually didn't have to do anything. You just kind of wait, but that waiting is like so uncomfortable, so deeply uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. The way that I look at it, and I don't remember this when I'm in it, but now that I'm out, I'm like, oh, I have all the wisdom now. Um, But let me just say in the moment, I'm like, 
when will this end? I'm never going to feel good ever again. If you're committed to growth, the only way to grow is to go somewhere you haven't been yet, right? Mm -hmm. So what's in the middle of that? I always think of you're in a tunnel. Sometimes you're on a bridge, okay? Sometimes you're in that growth period where you're on a bridge and you're like, look at how beautiful it is around here. Okay, I can (laughs) saunter through this, you know? Sometimes you're in a tunnel and it is dark and there's not really anything you can do except give yourself compassion to be in the tunnel. I think that there's a lot of harm that we do to people of saying you should be able to feel a certain way all the time. I think there are certain things we can do and that I do personally to aid myself but there's just some things you have to go through. If I want to continue to expand as a person, as a consciousness, as a soul, there's really nothing I can do to avoid that period of uncertainty and doubt because that is literally what doubt is. You don't know where you're going, right? And the only way when you grow, you are actually going into a version of yourself that has yet to exist So Mm. of course, there's going to be doubt, of course, because you're insecure, you actually don't have the same footing under you, right? Mm. And you're not actually thinking the same as you usually do. I have found that I can return to journaling when this happens, Mm. which was really, really nice because I used to journal a lot. And then I started writing affirmations in a journal. And that just stopped like for years I did that. And it was so beautiful. I loved that practice. But when this hit, what's my tool here? Mm. Because even talking it out, I didn't feel like I could talk it out enough, you know, or you're always a little bit self-censoring no matter who you're talking to. Yeah. Just because like, I don't know, you just do like you don't. And so when I returned to the journal, that was when things started to kind of, oh, well, at least I'm kind of understanding what's happening beneath the surface. It wasn't like I journaled one day and then I was perfect. Right. I mean, or then I was fine. It was more like, okay, I can now see how this is happening for me. And then I just kind of stayed open to, you know, those little messages of like, okay, read this book, try this, go here. You know, and they were like really tiny, but I was like, all right, I'll read this book because I go through periods with self-help or spiritual texts or anything like that. I don't read them at all Mm because I need my own knowledge. But this had gotten to the point where I was like, okay, bring me something, Mm -hmm. you know, and I read The Artist's Way, which I had never read it all the way through, you know, it was so beautiful. I love The Artist's Way. I mean, there's a reason why it's so popular. And then I read some other spiritual texts that just like, of course, were the exact time, perfect timing. And I think what I learned from this and what I hope to continue moving forward is taking advantage of what's before us. If it's before us, if we're in the tunnel, there's a reason we're in the tunnel, you know, and I don't like saying to people, there's a reason for everything, but I think we can make a meaning out of anything. And I'm not going to tell you what the reason is, because that's presumptuous and rude, but we can empower ourselves. At least I try to empower myself, even if something is happening that is so not what I want to be happening. I still try to find the reasoning or the meaning with it. And that's just kind of what I pulled through. But then at the same time, you just like have to go through it. I don't know. I think this is something that I've had to really learn. Sometimes you can do all the things, have the morning routine, have all the things, have everything at your disposal. But when it's your time to go through it, you just have to go through it. Yeah. When you hope that on the other side, you're gaining knowledge or expansion and, or you're getting what you've asked for, you know, when you ask for something and it requires you to up level in your thinking, you know, because it's all starts in the mind. It's so hard. It's really hard to receive Mm. when you don't, you know, when you have blocks to receiving when even with you with the wedding, I mean, it could have been, there's how to receive love at that level. And you, yeah, you have to like go through it. You have to be, because 
Another thing that I've recognized is in order to receive, you really at that level, at the level you really want to receive, you have to at first like kind of methodically go through all the reasons you think you don't deserve that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, for me, you know, big part of this tunnel was allowing myself to receive that I could make a living from my personal expression and my art because I've been a teacher, I've helped other people with their businesses for so long. And this was very much transforming me into someone that was going to be believing your ideas. You know, the only thing that's true about becoming a successful author is that you're just going to write more books, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what is going to be required of you. And if you can't write at that level, and you don't believe in yourself, and you're constantly in this disbelief of me, who me, you know, you're not going to be operating at the level. That's not a joyful place to be as a creative, right? So that was my transformation. And in order to transform into the person that I feel like I'm becoming right now, which I feel very more, I guess, centered in my creativity, and I value my creativity and my voice and what books I want to write, not what's popular, not what everybody else is reading, but what I want to write. I had to methodically go through my doubts. Mm. Okay. Here's the reason why you don't think that's possible for you. All right. We got to go through that. Here's the other reason. Okay. Here's your blocks about money. Here's your blocks about this. Okay. We're going to go through your childhood of what you believed about Mm. art and being an artist. You know, I'm sure that probably was your process too before the wedding. And it's sometimes I think what's left out of that conversation is that we just get this idea of, well, you're getting married. You're getting married. You should be ecstatic. I'm ecstatic, but I'm also other things. (laughs) Yes. And (laughs) yes. And I feel other things because you never feel one thing at a time, you know? Yeah. So what was your process of excavating like those doubts. So it's like, okay, the doubts are coming up. And then are you sitting with them? Are you making space with them? Are you journaling about them? Are you going somewhere in your subconscious to find the root? Is it kind of all unfolding naturally? What does that look like? It's almost like rooting out the rooted beliefs. And you first have to root them out so that you can plant something new for something new to grow. But what does that process look like in the physical world, but also the spiritual world too? Because I feel like a lot of this is happening really internally. It's not something physical or tangible that you can see. Right. I mean, I think I come at it multiple ways, you know, it's like what the task at hand requires. Sometimes it's journaling, you know, and just getting down to why, you know, I'll just be in the journal. Like, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel that? It's a conversation with myself, you know? Okay. I hear that you have this chatter going on. Why? Where does that come from? There's always a reason, you know, it's just not there for a random thing. Oh, okay. So I grew up in a culture that believed this, or my mom told me it's all kinds of stuff. And then another part is doing a lot of walking. Definitely where I can like meet myself. I did a couple of audio journals, you know, like open up the voice memo map. I do that too. I always talk to myself in my walks. (laughs) Yes, it's so helpful. And what's weird is I always think about this. I have to have the voice memo on. I can't just talk to myself. (laughs) I have to be recording it. You're not going to listen to this over. I mean, I would be mortified if I listened to it over. So I do that or of course, if it gets to a certain point, okay, mom, I got to talk this out or I talk to my husband or I talk to my friend. I think it's at this point, I will say, I think I'm pretty tuned in to myself, but there were a few times looking back in the past few months where part of the thing was just take a nap, mm. shut up, yeah, <laughs> shut the brain up because I can get into the thinking of, I got to figure this out. And sometimes I don't. Right. You know, just let it, just let it pass. I'm not really a nap person, but now I am. I took so many naps. I was just like, go to sleep. You know, and I've heard that a lot of things do happen in our sleep. Like last week I got a pretty intense and amazing astrology reading. Mm -hmm. And after it, I I processed it for one second and then I fell asleep for two hours. 
Wow. That's amazing. I know. I couldn't even be awake anymore. Yeah. The concept of rest and even creative rest is so undervalued because you know this, but we live in this culture that tells us that we need to be productive all the time. And there's this quote that I think about a lot. If you look at nature, the only thing that's constantly growing in nature is cancer. We don't want to be constantly going. But what I was dealing with in my period is I was feeling so burnt out on every level. I didn't have energy for a lot of things, but then I realized I didn't actually know how to properly rest because I feel like I can't just take a nap. Or I told myself stories that I couldn't take a nap because I couldn't fall asleep in the middle of the day or whatever. So then I'm like, well, how do I rest? I don't want to be sitting on my phone scrolling. That's not restful for my brain at all or my energy and in taking in so much information. I'm trying to figure out how do I actually rest? You just got to do nothing. Just lay there. Just stare at the wall. That is that, but I don't know, to give us our, ourselves permission to actually take that rest and actually stop is so hard sometimes to undo all of that and to just shut the brain off and be like, yes, just stop. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, I couldn't, I could not agree more. I used to wear the, I don't nap thing as a badge of honor. (laughs) Nobody cares. Who is this a badge of honor for? Because I agree. I wasn't being very restful before either. I was going, when I published Radically Content, April 12th, that's when it came out, 2022. April 13th, I felt I was battered and bruised and at the finish line with my little tiny pinky over it sprawled out. I was, I was a kind of tired that was 20 years tired, Mm -hmm. you know, of just going and never, ever letting probably even 10 minutes go by where I wasn't thinking I got to publish a book one day. I got to publish a book one day, you know, and So when I was in this period where it was a kind of a forced quiet, the beginning of 2023, this is the quietest my life's ever been. What is Um, happening? Even my movie got put on hold because of the writer's strike. Wow. Yeah. And I was, I had that same realization. So maybe I'm supposed to rest, you know? And of course I had to earn it. So in my mind, I was like, okay, Jamie, so You've been babysitting since you were 12. You were a nanny in high school. You worked all through college. Then you started your own business. And then from 2009 on, you this is the first time. 2023 was the first year since 2009 I didn't have a single client. Wow. And I had done all the other things that I had done. I guess I just had to have that talk with myself, you know, of, well, this is probably why you're tired. You know, and it's probably why you're not jumping at the next thing to fill your life because it was really the first time that I even had some financial stability for a moment. I could breathe for a moment, you know, and I I had to give myself a lot of permission. You're allowed to take a nap in the middle of the day, like three days in three days in a row if you want every Every week, every day if you want, you know. If you need it, you need it and not have to think, why am I tired? Is this some moral failing that I'm tired in the middle of the day? No, no, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just all these things you pick up that you don't, this is the part of social media that I think is really tricky because I do love social media, but you consume things at a rate that you don't even know you're consuming them. And then I feel it kind of take off like firecrackers in your brain at the most unsuspecting moments. Oh, suddenly I have a thing about naps. Right. Like why? You know, sensory overload. Also it's even energetically and psychically, you don't realize how much that is crowding out your space. You've been talking about how, if we want to be creative, we've got to be really tuned in to ourselves and our ideas and our thoughts and what we believe, but it's so easy to just take on everything else and it's sticking on to you that it can be really hard to find out, okay, what is my inner voice saying? What is my soul saying? Because I haven't really even made the space to listen and get quiet enough to listen. And something even talking about rest and stopping, I'm curious if, and throughout these, this process and like in the last 18 months, and even as you're publishing your books and you're reaching success and you're becoming a writer, 
Have you noticed or have you felt any grief come up in the losing of the previous identity? Like has grief been something that you've had to navigate through this process? Oh my God. That's wild that you said that because yes, there is something. I don't think I realized how much I was comforted by the identity that it's never going to happen for me. Mm. You know, because there is something having your expectations of yourself kind of low and not doing, not pursuing your dreams. It's how it feels where you're just, okay, I'll start everything on Monday. And then you suddenly feel so happy, you know, you're like, oh, Monday me is going to really just pop off, you know, Monday rolls around and okay, next Monday, you know, and I'm not talking diet culture at all. I'm just talking general culture, just the putting things off. And I had a lot of identity around that. Well, if, you know, if it happened for me, it would go this way. But I think being actually doing the thing and doing your dreams, it's a lot messier and a lot harder than you would ever think in your daydream moments, you know? So it's like, (laughs) Ooh, okay. So the actual doing of this is real different than how I fantasized about it. And there is something, unfortunately, and people like you more when you're not doing that well. Mm. And that's a weird thing to say, but like you, and I, I mean, not maybe not people like you more, but more like you're more relatable, I guess. Yeah. And I think there's a story that we tell us that maybe we're more relatable if we're going through something really hard or we're struggling rather than being relatable because we're living our dreams. Exactly. Exactly. And I've had to have some grief about that because I think, well, I definitely had this fear that people were going to dislike me if I hit some of the goals or I'll call them goals that I had in my head and that I would feel lonely because it's hard sometimes to talk to people who, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't pursue their dreams or they gave up too soon or they chose something else. And anytime you make a choice, there is grief in not doing, you know, the other thing. Yeah. Even if you're happy with the other thing, but you sometimes can't do every single thing at one time. I felt a lot of grief losing that identity of someone who was kind of the underdog, Mm. someone who hadn't lived up to their potential yet because there's just so, something very comforting about that because you never, ever have to see what you're capable of if you are in that place. Your potential is always some fantasy in your head. Mm-hmm. And then when you start doing it, oh, so this is harder. <laughs> okay, so it's not all. It's amazing. And it's also a lot harder. You lose that relatability and you see it online. I talked about this. I actually posted something about this. Um, that you see people using that as an insult. Oh, she's not relatable anymore. Some of the reviews, which I try not to look at my reviews too much, but sometimes they're just there. Some of the reviews for Radically Content, it was so interesting, the tone shift after a year that it was out where people would be, you know, she wrote this book, but now she's got books out and she's got a bunch of followers on Instagram. It's just not very relatable anymore. (laughs) It's like... Uh, (laughs) oh I hate being misunderstood so much yeah it's yeah I'm a writer of course I hate being (laughs) misunderstood I go through painstaking detail to try to get people to understand me and then someone says that and it's not just one review so that's exactly what I was afraid of I was afraid that you get to a certain point and people go you know well we see it a lot. We see that we love to lift people up, especially women. And then they get to a certain point where like, oh, too high, too high. Let's bring you back down. There is some grief about that of leaving behind an identity that felt pretty safe that I didn't realize was so safe because I wanted all this stuff to happen. And then it it was very humbling to find out that I was kind of right, that Mm -hmm there's just always different issues that come up. 
and then happily ever after and the book is closed and you just live your life <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome but no it's real life <laughs> yeah no but it's yeah it's real how life do you you know? okay having your worst fears confirmed how do you navigate that oh this is exactly what I was afraid of and look, it's being confirmed. How do you then not get sucked into, how do you then lift yourself up out of that and keep going? Because I feel some people, and it could be very easy to just, I give up because look, here it is. Here's the confirmation. Cause you kind of want to believe once I do the thing, I'll be proven wrong that you want to believe that. But then what happens when your fears are confirmed and how do you deal with that internally? Mm-hmm. I mean. I would never fault anyone for having the, I'm just going to give up because some, there's just some battles you don't gotta, you don't have to fight. I went through, I was bitter for a little bit. You know, I let myself feel what I'm going to feel. I was, you know, having fake arguments with people in my head, you know, and what I would say. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's something kind of freeing about it. We were just, Oh, I didn't die. Mm. Oh, Okay. So that happened, you know, and it's not like uh, it was this huge hate campaign towards me at all. So I, I recognize that that's, it's not at the level that some people experience it, but I was like, oh, well then I guess you just move forward. It it does kind of make you question if you want to keep going. I definitely had a little bit of that where I was definitely, is this what I want to do? To be an artist, you have to be so sensitive. Yeah. And then you're exposing yourself. I don't ever want to not be sensitive because yeah. art is not in uh, doing art and being creative is not enjoyable if you're not an open hearted person for me, Yeah, you know? And so I'm, well, the answer isn't shut myself down and shut myself off, but am I able to allow my work to be, you know, judged in that way and reviewed and critiqued. And it doesn't like get any easier to see stuff like that. But I think you get a different priority. Well, I have to do, I want to do this more than anything else. So I just have to recognize that this is part of it. You know, there's going to be people that they're going to have opinions about my novel. I mean, Goodreads is where people go to let out their frustration of whatever, you know, and at some point I'll stop looking. And at some point I have to recognize that there's books that other people have loved that I haven't loved. And I can't let other people tell me what's good and what's not. I just have to get stronger within myself. Hmm. Or, you know, you just say you don't do it. (laughs) That is a choice. There are some people I really think that their soul path, I've gotten really into the soul path because I feel like it just elevates me out of the world. I don't know all the reality stuff. And some people's soul path, they're not here to do that. Hmm. They're not here to put their work out at that scale. And that's okay. Right. You know, and, but I know for me, I have to put myself out there continuously and to see that it doesn't kill me. I knew I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't do any creative writing classes, nothing. Cause I was terrified of being critiqued mm-hmm. that held me hostage for 10, 20 years. I was so scared to be rejected. Now I've, I've gotten plenty of rejections. Mm-hmm. And every time you get one, there's of course the sting, but then also there's this sort of, I'm okay. I didn't burst into flames on the spot, you know, I can withstand it. I can deal with it. And then you just keep going. And, you know, I look at, especially with authors, I look at some authors that have careers that I would really love to emulate. And the thing that's true is they have to keep writing. That's Mm -hmm. the big thing. And two, they have to withstand a lot of critique as much as a lot of love. And that's just how it goes. You'll just have to know that. I think for me, The worst advice is telling people just ignore it or don't let it get to you. It's going to get to you. It's hard to ignore. Let's at least just be honest, you know, or haters going to hate. I'm not at the haters (laughs) going to hate point yet. It's one thing. People that say that stuff are usually, you're not on the front lines here, babe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
this is hard. So, you know, I just try to not take that process away from myself. It's like, oh, well, saw that. Shit, that hurts. Like, oh, okay. And sometimes, honestly, sometimes I see a critique and that's fair. You know, it's fair. (laughs) I don't need to be that precious. I know I'm not perfect. It's all right. I could see where you're coming from. Mm. Cool. You know, and I just think that's probably a healthier place to be in than especially energetically speaking. I do think that people who are like, haters gun hate. I'm like, wow, way to attract more haters. That's a good point. (laughs) I don't need to be focused on the haters. I don't need to give that a lot of energy in my life. You know what? Let's just say good reviews, bad reviews, neither of them can decide for me what I'm going to do or how I'm going to show up. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Will you talk about your process for writing your novel and what did the process look different than writing Radically Content? And I think you had shared on your social media that you would, that you wrote like an hour, two hours a day, or you can talk more about that, which to me was, oh, you can do that. Cause in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to write a book. That means that I need to carve out this amount of time. And, you know, and I think that's a very common trap that people get into. Of, well, I need to go on a writer's retreat to do that. Or even for you, cause your novel's set in the French Riviera, right? Did you have to go to the French Riviera? Did you have to do research there? How did you... Pull that all into your writing process. What was that process for you? I mean, I went to the French Riviera in my mind. I spent (laughs) a lot of time in the French Riviera in 2018, but I wrote this novel in the heart of lockdown in the pandemic. Okay. So I could not even go to the French Riviera. (laughs) I shall escape in my mind. I am a very big fan of the one to two hours a day. Though two hours is kind of my limit. Once I get to two hours, I'm spinning my wheels and then I need to go recharge. And sometimes I'm writing something and I'll do two hours in the morning and then I have to get off the computer, go have lunch, get up, go on a walk, do something to recharge. And then maybe I'll put an hour or two in later in the day. But even that, I don't hold myself to it. It's more if I want to. But I truly think one to two hours a day and totally take away the romanticized version of it. I've done writer's retreats. The pressure of them Uh, for myself, you know, like you're at an Airbnb. Like one time I was like, you're going to an Airbnb. You're going to Big Bear. The whole time I had altitude sickness. (laughs) I had all this pressure on it. This is you being a writer. And then I was nauseous the entire time. And I could hardly do what I said I was going to do. And I do think that place was a little haunted. Some of that, okay, sure, once in a while. I think anyone who wants to be a writer, you're going to have to find ways to write in the monotony of life, you know? Radically Content, I wrote that in the summer of 2021. And that was one to two hours a day. Mm -hmm. I didn't force it. I didn't try to write more than I needed to. It was a chapter a day, you know? Mm -hmm. And same with main character energy, I wrote that I would say a scene at a time. And for me, scenes end up being 1500 to 2000 words. I didn't want to push myself for more because I see as a writer, because I spent so much time not not writing, Mm. my only focus has been in being consistent. And then I started to recognize that writing is only a small part of it. Just as with any creative thing, I mean, doing the thing is only a small part of it. You then have to go and get recharged. You have to get inspiration. You have to actually turn your brain off somehow and and be thinking of other things. You have to nourish yourself. You have to nourish your emotional well-being, your physical well-being. All of that makes me a better writer. Mm -hmm. And so I just put a premium on that instead of writing for eight hours a day. There is no reason for me to be staring at a computer for eight hours a day trying to write. The book's not going to get done any faster. I just know that. In fact, it'll probably get done slower because after one day of doing that, I'll be burnt out. Yeah. I hate this, you know? So I do think taking that precious romanticization of it out of it and romance your creativity in a different way. I have a candle that I used to light or I put certain things by my desk or I have my certain like coffee that I like, you know, and 
just do things like that. Because for me, I very much was stuck for 10 to 20 years, maybe even 20, I'd say, because I had it in my head. I don't have eight full hours a day to write, you know, so I can't do this or I can't go on this retreat or I can't write a book in a weekend. You're not going to write a book in a weekend. Mm. You're just not numbers wise. You're not going to be able to do it. So it, you know, I'd want to be, I'd sit down and write your novel today instead of maybe write an outline, maybe, you know, write down your character names, maybe just start with the first paragraph. You ever done that? Just the first paragraph, you know, and just making it a lot more bite-sized. And I still do that. I'll continue to do that because there's not a return on investment by sitting at my computer for six to eight hours Mm. trying to bang something out. I mean, once in a while, but even then, you know, I had a pretty tight deadline on my edits one time back in November, and I still just worked on them a couple hours a day. Mm. I'm just efficient though. It's not two hours of checking my phone. Right. Yeah. I think it's so helpful to hear because it's right. I think we romanticize this idea in our head of what it means to be a writer when really it's right. It's just the daily, the daily living. If, if everyone kind of came at it from that perspective, how many things would be in the world versus now, or just how, I don't know, maybe our society works or how our brains work of reaching for the huge thing instead of taking it in those bite-sized things. And I look at you, you have two books. That's amazing. That could have taken you years and years and years. And the years that you spent not writing were probably part of those years in some way. And so it's really inspiring for me to hear because I'm one of those people that I write. I I definitely want to write a book one day. I have all these ideas, but I actually haven't started writing the books. (laughs) I haven't done it. I sometimes tell myself, I don't know if I'm ready to write that book yet. I think I need to live more life first, but that's bullshit too. No, start where you're at and the process will unfold from there. I mean, I would say the most important part of the creative journey is the process. And I know that's cliche, but the way that I think of it, less cliche, is that, you know, the moment of publishing a book, for example, that is one day and it Mm -hmm. doesn't even last the whole day. (laughs) It's like so anticlimactic, to be honest. And there's milestone moments. There's really exciting things, but overall the thing that you do the most is you write it, you edit it, you revise it again, you revise it again, you revise it again. You've read it. I've read that book like 20 or 30 times. (laughs) I could tell you what's on every page. You have to think that the thing you're going to do the most is the writing. And if you don't know how to enjoy that, or if the reason that people want to write eight hours a day is because they think they're behind and they should have done it yesterday. And a lot of people get stuck in, I should have done it yesterday. So that means I'm going to let another year go by Mm. because I'm so ashamed that I should have done it yesterday. And it's not just meet yourself where you are, start today. And here's the thing about timing, because I do believe there is timing Mm. that happens. The timing, the writing and practicing your art is not the same as the timing of the opportunity. I started writing really, really consistently 2018. My book didn't come out till 2022. And I was already writing quite a bit, but that was when I was distant. You know, I am just going to focus on doing this every day as much or, you know, as many times a week as I say, I'm going to do it. And so that was what I was working on was that muscle. But the timing didn't come together until 2021 you know? And so that's the kind of thing where it's not, it's never the wrong time to begin because practicing your art is always the right time. Mm. And it doesn't even mean, I mean, you could be doing a different kind of art, but it's going to lead you to inspiration for writing, but it's the timing of the opportunities that I've really had to surrender to Mm. less so because you can't sit down And I'm only going to write this if I have certainty that it's going to land me this book deal. Well, (laughs) I don't even know if I have my next book. You never know. I read an article of Colleen Hoover. She's the most successful novelist right now. I mean, and she even thinks 
I owe every book. I think it's my last book. Mm. You're calling her. (laughs) You have 10 books on the New York Times bestseller list right now. Right. And it's sad because, right, I think in the fantasy, we think that that's going to go away, that once we're at a certain level, we're just going to be writing and opportunities are going to be pouring in. But And I come from a background of theater and acting. And that was something that I had to realize about being an actor. You are an actor and you get your Broadway show and then the show closes and then you're out of a job again. That is just the reality of being an artist. And I don't know, sometimes I'm like, man, I guess, is that just life? Is that just our society? Is that just the human experience? I guess it's all part of it. And I I, I don't know if there's any avoiding that. (laughs) I mean- It's life. I think life is uncertain. What gives our life meaning is the fact that we could die right now, Yeah, you know, right. And also society creates a lot of scarcity around stuff. There's stuff that can be improved, but I I mean, I've known people of all different levels of success and there's very few of them that feel totally. No, the people that I know that feel the most at peace are the ones that It's not about what's happening outside of them that gives them peace. It's that they know that they're always going to land where they're meant to be. So Mm -hmm. if that Broadway show closes, that means there is something ripe coming through. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's another Broadway show, or maybe it's a totally different venture that's opening up space. You know, those Mm -hmm. are the people that I think are the, I see as the most at peace, the happiest that can thrive as artists where they're just, I don't have to have certainty outside of me. I just need to know that I am always where I'm meant to be. Yeah. And what comes, comes, what goes, goes. I love that. Yeah. I want to touch briefly just on your journey with social media, because you have built such an audience on your social media writing. And I'm curious how you just drop soul nuggets of wisdom on your social media every day. And do you just wake up and this pours out of you? Is it a process from your journaling? Where does that come from? And then also I've heard you say that social media is a tool for you to use. It's a physical tool that you can use to express yourself, to find your audience. And I feel like I've had a block with social media. Well, I don't want to create content for social media or... Just, oh, I hate that this is how the world works, that, you know, you have to put yourself out there. And it's just all the stuff that goes into that. But will you talk a little bit about your relationship with social media? How do you come up with your soul wisdom nuggets? And uh, how do you balance having an audience there, but without getting too sucked into that world? I mean, this is an (laughs) ever-changing... Some days I have the most peaceful relationship with social media. And then some days I I live by a few intentions. I will never perform my life for social media. It's always going to be whatever I want to do, whatever I want to say. It's not, oh, I should post about this or I should do this or I should. I also have an entire life offline that I love and protect. So that's the first thing that I think is very important because I know that I could have grown more. I could have had more opportunities if I do other things that I see other people doing just for me. I don't, I have to protect myself and my wellness more than anything else to my soul nuggets. I mean, some of them are reposts. I've written so much over so many years that I don't always have to recreate content every year. And, and truthfully, People love, even if they remember that I've already posted it, they love a good reminder. So a lot of it's where I'm coming up with a lot more. In 2021, I think because I was just learning so much about myself, I was writing almost every day. And I usually wrote them on my walks. Mm. So I'd be walking and then I'd just get an idea and I'd get it into my notes app. Uh, I'm not writing as much because I'm writing my fiction now. And I think that's where a lot of my inspiration goes right now. What I'm posting is like stuff from two years ago, three years ago, people don't even notice, or if they do great, that's how I can avoid the transactional and disposable content can feel. Mm. I never have considered myself a content creator, no judgment to anyone that does. It's just not for me or an influencer. Like I've said no to every sponsorship 
opportunity pretty much. And that's just by design because I don't want that pressure. I can post when I want to post. And I use social media to raise awareness of my writing, to connect with people and to sell my books now Mm -hmm. and to get people aware of me. And I didn't mean to go for it to grow the way that it did. It just did. And I thought that it would never grow because people told me no one wants to read all of that. It's too long. The font is too small. And I was like, all right, then people don't read it. Whenever I post something, the energy I post behind it is whoever is meant to read this will get it. Mm. And I'm posting this for the people who really need it. And then it's always so funny because every single time I post something, how did you know I needed this? Mm. I must have posted it for you. It must have been for you, you know? And so I try to have more of, I guess, a spiritual high-minded thought about social media because it can be so easy to drop down into numbers and metrics and engagements and algorithms. And then I hate this, Mm. you know, it's like, I hate this. So I just use it as like, it's a tool, like I said, a tool for me to get my message out there. There There's certain things that I'm okay with doing. I'll put it in a nice little image but I'm not going to beg for it. I'm not going to spend hours and hours a day making certain things, trying to follow every trend. I I don't want to be thirsty. Some people, they truly feel excited about those trends and making content and getting all that together. It's not for me. And I think what changed for me with social media was allowing myself to have the relationship with it that I wanted. Instead of feeling like, I needed to follow what other people said I was supposed to be doing. I mean, when I started posting my writing on Instagram, it was all perfect highlighted pictures. Mm. Here's my text on a white background. I don't know. Do something with it. Read it. (laughs) You know, in a sea of perfect filtered, overexposed, saturated pictures, right? Everybody's presenting the perfect life and I'm not going to do that. I I just stayed true to myself, I guess. I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I don't want to lose sight of that and get caught up in something else. So I guess that really helped me, you know? My relationship with social continues to change. I have my moments where I'm like, why do I have to do this? You know, and then I have my moments where I'm like, wow, it's really cool as an artist where you don't have this huge distance between you and your people that connect with your work. And, you know, I have the best conversations in my DMs. People are so smart and they're interesting and they think like me. Wow, this is cool. I don't feel alone like I used to feel. And there's depth. I create the depth. I really think with social media, the energy you bring to it is what you're going to get. I just try really hard to apply the same kind of spiritual principles that I apply to my own life to that so that I don't lose sight of and get caught up in like numbers and what's performing and what's not. If something doesn't perform, and I say that in quotes, like the other posts, then that was just a thousand people were supposed to see that. Not, you know, it didn't, wasn't meant to go massively viral or meant to for 500 people or 20 people. Mm. I mean, something that very early on in my career that I saw that I'll never forget was never underestimate your numbers because even think of a crowd of 20 people, that's not a small amount. You know, when I had 20, I remember having 20,000 followers and I was like, Oh, I want this to grow. And the, just cause you think you're supposed to. And then it's like $20,000 of 20,000 people. That's an arena. Yeah. <laughs> of people. Yeah. That's a lot of people, you know? So I always like to put things into perspective like that. Cause I do think social media is one of those places where people lose their way a little mm-hmm. bit and forget that like they can do what they want to do. And that might mean you're not going to grow as fast. I stayed at the same number for years Mm. Same fault. And the moment that things took off was the moment where I finally said, you know what? I'm going to serve these 30,000 people. I'm just going to talk to them. These are my people. 
I'm just going to do what I'm just going to love on them. And I'm able to still answer all the messages. I'm just going to give them so much love. And this is my community. Mm. Okay. Here's your hundred thousand followers that you've been wanting all this time. And I was like, (laughs) every time it was wild. That was within a week too. Wow. Isn't it amazing how we've been talking about just like when you let go of the grasping and you just let go, how then you make the space for everything that you've been asking for to come in. So that's such a beautiful confirmation of that. It really is. And I always forget it because, you know, I get controlling and I get in my own way. And then when I let it go, here's the email. Here's the thing that you've been waiting for. And it feels better though, when you receive it from that place too, though, instead of that's what I thought, it doesn't receive well when I feel like I need it. If you start receiving when you feel like this is going to make me believe in myself, it's like, it never does. Mm -hmm. And then it's sort of empty. And then you get it, you'll ingest it for a second. And then you're like, oh, but now I need more, I need more, I need more. Instead of like, oh, let me just savor this for Mm -hmm. a while, you know, savor this email that I just got or this confirmation that just came in. Let me, you know, keep this going for a while instead of, oh no, now I need to keep it up and I need to do more and I need to push. I've had seasons of my life that that I would never want to go back to. Mm. Wow. This has been so soul nourishing on so many levels. I didn't even know where this conversation would go to these different places, but it's been everything people say. This is exactly what I needed to hear in the moment and how Mm -hmm. beautiful that that timing and that divine timing always unfolds perfectly. So just thank you so much, Jamie. It's been a delight. And will you let us know where people can find you? Oh, wait. Before I let you go, I love to ask people for creative resources. So this is anything that either you're engaging with lately that's inspiring you, or maybe a book that's helped you along your path, or just something that has spoken to you that you want to share with people. Yes. So this book that I have just been absolutely loving that just totally inspired me was a book called Outrageous Openness. And it's by Tasha Silver. And you're going to get past the cover, but it's amazing. If you're kind of burned out on the manifestation, change your thoughts, change this. This is a really good balm for that. I'm going to reread it like multiple times in my life. Oh, I can't wait to check that out. Thank you. And then where can people find you? Where can they find your book? So where you can find me, I mean, everything's on my website, jamievarin.com. And also on Instagram. I mean, you can't miss it. I'm also now I'm on threads, which is fun. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I'm on all the things. So I don't think you can miss me if you, even if you just pop me into Google. You'll find you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Again, this has been such a delight and I'm just grateful to have connected with you. Thanks, Jamie. too. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.